When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Yeah, you're damn right. It's binge boys. Blonde. Oh, that was a little aggro. Can we? All right. You know what? That, we're gonna live with. No, it. I liked. I thought that was the best one yet. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, uh, you know, I just. I felt think. A little... I think we should. I think we should take a cue from the most popular and thus greatest podcaster of all time, Joe Rogan. <laughs> and I think we should get a little take bit horse, more. Take horse creams. I think we should inject horse paste into both nostrils immediately yes. before going on air. And then I think we should get a little bit more regret, a little more in your face. Ooh, we are riding high on ivermectin today. Yeah. Uh, hello, everybody. I'm Hal Rudnick, and sitting across from me on Zoom, on the computer screen, is Lon Harris. Hello, Lon, Yeah. We are recording this on a Friday afternoon. Got any weekend plans, Lon? Are you gonna? Are you going to Universal Hollywood Horror Nights? What are you up to? No, I love. I would love to go to Universal Hollywood Horror Nights. I've not been invited to Universal Hollywood Horror Nights in many, many years. I've probably been. It's probably been a decade. I think the last time I went to Universal's Hollywood Horror Nights, I went with uh, a now ex girlfriend who was. Mm-hmm. Terrified, actively terrified. I don't know why she agreed to go. I knew she wasn't like great with horror movies and was like not in that world. I I love a good horror movie. I'm very much in that world of fandom. She was not, and I knew that. But Mm -hmm. I didn't know how traumatized she would be, especially by the people coming up to you. The year that we went, it was it was also unfortunate that it was entirely Saw themed the last time I was there. Oh. Uh, so there were like guys in the pig mask walking around with fake, you know, chainsaws without the the, the blade in them. Right. So they but- just make the noise and you could run up to people that's not dangerous because they're just mm-hmm. making noise. But it, she was absolutely traumatized. And, and she discovered that if you hang out right near the shops or where they sell chicken fingers, people will, actors won't come up to you. So she ended gotcha. up being by the chicken strips the whole time. Oh yeah, did you uh, did you guys in, uh, eat a few chicken strips? Oh, more more than a few. Yeah, nice. I had my fill of chicken strips that because you know I would she would be like you go because we were there with a group, so she would be like you go go on that maze. I'll shop for shirts and then we'll meet back up here. But of course, it was like in that way that at the time I thought this is fine. I'm just going to go on a maze and then go back. But she was very upset with me, and I just was an idiot and thought that it was fine. We should have just left. Oh yeah, you got to read the signals. You got. I was not, I was never, a a, a theme, Mm. anytime I'm like, oh, that reminds me of when an ex-girlfriend, the theme of the story is going to be, I'm an oblivious moron. And anyone would have figured out before me what the real story was. And I was just like, let's just, let's check out this maze next, fellas. Like that's, I just don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, if, if your girlfriend, wife, et cetera, is sobbing, crying, and she says, fine, go have fun with the boys. You should maybe should reconsider going out to have fun with the boys. It was not that dramatic. It was always more subtle. It was like that part in scenes from a marriage when 
uh, Jessica Chastain is bright-eyed and smiling and nodding and be like, it's fine, it's nothing. But mm. you, it's not nothing. You know oh, that yeah. this is only because it's minute seven of the episode and by minute 22 we'll have established that it's not nothing at all. It's in fact very serious. I'm sorry I really opened up a can of worms by asking you about- You did. The- that uh, Traumatized <laughs> by my horror nights experience. No, I had fun. I thought it was a blast. I had a really good time. It's a good time. I, I've been a couple I've been a couple times. Yeah, the year that I went, they also, they just left the backdraft attraction open. So it's all sure. just like Beetlejuice's crazy horror night boogie and then like the psycho maze and then- uh, the, the the backdraft attraction. <laughs> Maybe like, they should like horror the backdraft attraction up a little bit and have like people burning. I mean, you know what's already very frightening? Uh, fire, arson. Yes. It's already terrible. You don't need to horror that up. It's already very scary. The backdraft attraction no longer there, correct? No longer there. I yeah. believe it's gone now. I believe it's gone now. It was a room. It was not much of an attraction. You would go stand on a balcony in a room. It's hot in there. It was like they had this controlled set where they were going to do a bunch of pyro effects and you stand like up in the air on a balcony, like looking out over the set and you watch like a bunch of the fuel canisters explode. And it looks like the whole room goes up. And of course, it's a control. It's always totally under control, but it does. You feel the heat coming off of the fire. And there's an intro video from Ron Howard where he's like, hey, everybody, thanks for coming to Universal Studios. I'm Ron Howard. Backdraft, uh, written by a uh, actually uh, a friend of uh, my my wife and <laughs> I. My God, name dropping. Greg Wyden. Shout out Greg Wyden, uh, the writer of Backdraft and Highlander. Whoa, really? The same yes. guy wrote Highlander and those are two phenomenal scripts. Oh hell yeah! One thing I will say about the original Highlander. I don't know if you guys have revisited. It is on Amazon Prime. If you have not revisited Highlander recently. I did because it's on Amazon Prime and I was like, I'm going to watch Highlander. Fantastic. And the thing about it is Mm -hmm. it really fucking goes for it. They did not have an enormous budget. Right. It's not like, well, let's hold back. Let's let's like limit the vision because I don't know if we'll be able to achieve it. Whether they could really pull it off or not, they just fucking went for it. Like the the quickening, you know, every time one Highlander, uh, one, one of the immortals kills another, yes. they like absorb their power. Mm-hmm. And it's this thing called the quickening. Mm-hmm. And the whole room, like there's like an like a sonic boom that gets let off. So in like the first time we see it, it's in a parking garage and it like shatters the windows of every car in the parking garage. It's like an earthquake happens. Right. And they could have just made it like a smaller version of that effect. But they were like, fuck no, it shatters every car window in this parking lot. We're just going to do it. Why not? That's awesome. And you saying that, it reminds me of the car window shatter, one of the great car window shattering uh, moments in uh, cinematic history, perhaps. Mm. In Heat, where they uh, let off that bomb that blows the door off the- I know uh, exactly the window shattering to which you're referring. It is a classic. Yeah, off the bank truck. Yeah. Uh, Ah, uh, we could just uh, talk about car window shattering all day long, but we've got news to get to. Here's the news with Lon Harris. You're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, Disney and Scarlett Johansson, they've been they've been locked in this legal battle now. We've been following it closely. Oh, yeah. Mom, dad, why you guys got to fight? Yeah, really, boy. hate it when mom and dad fight. Uh, well, they've reached a settlement. They've closed out their lawsuit. Oh, ScarJo and the mouse, they're they're kissing and making up. Nobody's talking about who got what out of whom, but presumably ScarJo got a bunch of money for her trouble. Obviously the 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 issue was 
part of her compensation for Black Widow was tied to the box office. Mm -hmm. She argued, and her lawyers argued, seems very successfully, that uh, by releasing the movie on Disney Plus at the same time, she wasn't getting a chunk of the Disney Plus revenue. Right. Uh, so she said by by doing that, they undercut her stake in the box office returns, and she was owed extra money. We don't know how much, but presumably Disney has paid her off. Uh, and we know that she's happy with the deal. They both released statements saying we're happy to have resolved all this. Mm-hmm. And she's still attached to appear in Tower of Terror, the upcoming film based on the Disney Parks attraction. Right. So all is well. Relationship healed. ScarJo and the mouse. Friends again. Was it only ScarJo, or didn't some people piggyback on that lawsuit with her? Emma Stone had said she, she, she made a statement. Right, she made a statement after uh, Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit was filed, where she said, "I applaud what Scarlett Johansson is doing. I believe that I also might have to have this conversation." And then, what do you know? A few weeks later. Cruella 2 was greenlit with a big payday for Ms. Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. That was her settlement. They, they they worked out whatever she felt like she was still owed for Cruella, she just got as part of her deal for Cruella 2, which is in the works right now, the entire Cruella team back. So if you were a big Cruella fan, uh, look out for Cruella 2, probably 2023, I would imagine. Oh, all you Cruella heads out there, all and you it was, it was all Dalmatian right, you know? dandies. It got a rough... It got a rough reception from from Twitter, but I I think that was a little unfair. I thought it was all right. You have to separate what the movie actually is and then all the Cruella lore that it's like, right. oh, it doesn't seem like this. It seems a little too Harley Quinn. You know? Listen, it's hard for some people how we're really married to our Dalmatian lore. It's a, <laughs> that classic story of... Um, uh, have you have you rewatched Hunter and Dalmatians recently? I also rewatched this because it's on Disney Plus, and I was. Are, you're talking about the animated one or the one with Glenn Close? The, the cartoon, the the original yeah. Disney cartoon. There's this long opening where it is. It's about this guy who's a lawyer, and his dog decides that he's sad and lonely and tries to like hook him up with a lady, and it's all this like weird romance stuff. And then they end up getting married, and they both have Dalmatians who end up uh, having a lots of uh, freaky Dalmatian sex. And they have a litter of puppies. And that's what leads into the Cruella stuff. But most of the movie, there's this very long part where the puppies all get get dog-napped by Cruella and her goons. Mm -hmm. The Joel Fry and uh, Paul Walter Hauser characters. Yes. You know. Uh, and they get taken to her mansion, and that, that's where they find all the other Dalmatians, and it becomes 101 Dalmatians. And then there's this very long part where dogs, this network of animals between Cruella's manor and the country and London, like, communicate the news that there are these purloined puppies. It's like hmm. all these dogs that have military ranks for no reason. <laughs> you know, it's that very British thing where it's like, oh, I say, get the major. And then the yes. major is a horse and the major's like, Colonel, we must, you know, like it's this like this weird, like a, a Churchill, like Admiral Bulldog right. or something. You know shit. how the Brit, they love that like old, the old war dog character. Yes, yes. Like, well, not by the book, Sonny. I'll tell you how we do things in the in the king's regiment. You know? Proper decorum, all in good time. Right. Keep calm and carry on. It's like Gilbert and Sullivan-y almost. And like, right. Oh, it's modern like, major general. Yeah, right. Or, you know, like, <laughs> and I'm never ever sick at sea. It's like that yes. stuff. And um, 
copyright strike. Sorry, sorry, Messrs. Gilbert and Sullivan. But anyway, uh, it just so takes up so much of the movie, and it's yeah. such a fucking drag, man. Cruella's great. The Cruella character in Hundred One Dimensions, beautifully animated, mm-hmm. uh, real crazy. They made her like a total psycho. It's oh, a lot just of fun. Wild. I can even though I haven't seen the movie in like long right, time. Right, the bug I, eyes. I, I can still the, picture her, her yeah. chin, her mole, her 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 cigarette on a long holder. Yeah, it's that classic Disney animation. It's so expressive and vivid. It's really great stuff. But uh, the, the most of the movie is like a horse talking to a dog, and you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, that's weird. I, I don't remember that at all. Right, because you block that out because it's not interesting. I do like that you said that in the beginning, the dog is trying to get his master to hook up with someone. Right, That's it opens with this very rom-com sort of thing where it's like the, the dog thinks of the lawyer as like, He's reversed the pet owner relationship in his right. head. So it's like, he's my guy, and he look at him, he's fussy and lonely. I gotta hook him up with a lady. Yeah, I gotta get this I gotta get this guy laid. But right, but it's in but it's in a sixties context. So it's not I gotta get this guy sure. laid. It's like no one's here to cook and clean for him. Oh you know, gosh. it's like Right, it's 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 you gotta what? you gotta take you, your j- gender role. You mean Disney? I almost called it Jizney. Disney, hey, uh, Disney reinforcing now. society's gender roles. Yeah, what? it's that very fifties. Like, look at the state of this bachelor pad. He needs a woman's touch. It's like that stuff. It's not. It's not laid. I gotta get him laid. It's like. I mean, it is, but it was their code for it. Oh, okay, because um, I was comparing it in my mind to the dog trying to get his owner laid, but I, I stand corrected, but versus Lady and the Tramp, where it's some guys trying to get dogs to <laughs> fuck. Yeah, right. That would be the Italian restaurateur is very much like, yeah. I really want these dogs to hook up in the alley behind my place. That would be very romantic. Like, Oh, yeah. You're weird. <laughs> very weird. Freak. You freak. Very creepy guys Creeps. that they're, they're hanging out hoping these dogs get it on. I don't know yeah. what's going on with that. Like they're peering over it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like they're, they're dogs. Like that's they're... Meanwhile, pan down, the guy's hand was in his pants. Like, All right, mind, mind your business, Giuseppe. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, Tony, I believe it. Tony's is the name of the restaurant. That's good recall, Lon. Jesus. I think so. I could just be making that up. Fact check I mean, me, you someone. Have, you have I think a very, it's Tony's. You have a very good memory. I want to uh, say it's Tony's, but I could be wrong. Uh, YouTube TV could lose all NBC Universal channels if the two companies cannot work out a new carriage agreement. I like that they call it. It sounds so proper. It's like Victorian, like a carriage. Ooh, ooh, we have to work out new carriage agreements. Carriage agreement. I'm not sure I agree with the terms of this carriage deal, but um. It basically just means like, you know, YouTube TV, it's like it's like you can cut the cord, you don't need TV, you get oh, your sure. NBC, you get your Bravo, you get your MSNBC, you get your regional NBC sports channels. I'm familiar. Every time I jump on there, I'm fucking clicking on skip free trial. Right. Ugh. If I had a dollar for every time I skipped a free trial of YouTube TV, I'd be able to buy like a, 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 a nice sandwich. Wow. Well, those are good. I mean, a nice sandwich, like a Mendo, like a Mendocino farm sandwich. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, those above, are good. Maybe a nice sandwich at like a sit down restaurant. I'm wow. Oh, yeah. oh, my gosh. All right. And I thought I was thinking like Arby's, but you're talking like a real, like a real sandwich. Oh, yeah. No, I'm talking, I'm talking a restaurant with a tablecloth lawn. My God. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Fucks. Uh, anyway, YouTube TV, they, they right now, NBC is basically saying we will pull all of our NBC channels unless you agree to our terms. YouTube TV is saying they're being unfair. Ars Technica is reporting that what NBC wants from YouTube is they want them to pick up Peacock. They basically want to say, if you want 
MSNBC and Bravo and, and NBC, our flagship network, you also need to bundle and pick up Peacock. Gotta grab and, the cock. And, and Google, the owners of YouTube TV, are saying, well, that's unfair. You're making our users pay double. Like, they're already paying for all of this NBC content. Why should they pay to get it repackaged on Peacock? That's what Peacock has is NBC Universal content. So this is the standoff right now. Mm. Uh, right for right now, they're they're the deadline is basically expired. So for right now, they're just extending it. Like they're not going to pull the channels tomorrow while they negotiate. But we don't know how long that's going to last. If you have YouTube TV, you could lose all of your NBC Universal channels at any time. Now the one extra wrinkle I got to add that makes this interesting. Mm-hmm. YouTube TV has told all of its subscribers it will drop its subscription price by ten full dollars a month if you lose all of your NBC channels. Mm. So they're kind of like sweetening the pot, but also sort of making the case like this is how much money NBC is going to cost us that we can afford to cut the subscription price by ten dollars. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it feels like a, a like a tactic, like they're maybe trying to make their make it seem like NBC is being extremely unreasonable. Wow. Yes, so we'll so. see how this plays out, but we're probably going to start seeing more and more as everybody starts cutting the cord and mm -hmm. more and more people become totally dependent on these kinds of services, yeah. services that bundle a bunch of different kinds of TV together. Mm -hmm. We're probably going to see a lot more of this back and forth because everybody wants to push their streaming service as yeah. opposed to their TV networks and so forth. It is a game of chicken and the peacock hangs in the balance. I was wondering how you're going to wrap that up. I thought maybe rules the roost. Uh, yes, uh, but is there one more? Is there another bird? Um, it's a game of chicken. The peacock hangs in the balance, and if they lose the peacock, will another service vulture NBC? I think this metaphor is foul. Has flown the coop. <laughs> Moving on. We did it, folks. We did it. Netflix released a list of its all-time most popular shows and films. Now, this was during a appearance by co-CEO Ted Sarandos at the Code Conference in Los Angeles this week. Vox Media put on the Code Conference. A lot of tech guys speaking. I'll tell you what probably wasn't on that list. Brand new cherry flavor, which we both very much enjoyed. No, nobody that I know, like, we are the only people I know who are Again, talking about brand let's, new cherry let's, flavor. Let's soapbox for that show one more time. I, I thought it was a lot of fun, like a, a sort of a, a culty horror, but funny, but dark, but weird, but gory. And cool 90s retro vibe. Yeah. yeah. And if you like Hollywood stories like The Player and you like some, like, dark, witchcraft it really uh it's a hollywood fairy tale with just real dark weird vibes it's it's set in the 90s and it has a it has a 90s indie movie kind of feel to it as well like it feels yeah. like a you know sort of like a cult horror thing that would have come up in like the alt zine generation you know like that that sort of a little bit of a throwback uh Catherine keener terrific rosa salazar really good uh Worth checking out. Check it out. Brand new cherry flavor. So, you were saying. Not among the most popular Netflix shows. Sadly, sadly no. Ever. So, what we, we were used to hearing about the how many households that have Netflix watch this show for at least two minutes. We've been hearing mm. that metric to death. So, they released the, the, the latest updated version of that. Uh, the top series of all time going by that metric. 
Bridgerton at number one, Lupin at number two, The Witcher at number three, Sex Slash Life at number four. I think that might just be people skipping to the sexy parts. Who knows? And number five, Stranger Things. Uh, In terms of films, going by that, number of households who have watched at least two minutes, Mm -hmm. Extraction, number one, Bird Box, number two, Spencer Confidential, number three, Six Underground, that Michael Bay one with Ryan Reynolds at number four, and then Adam Sandler's Murder Mystery at number five. Gotcha. But they also, we've never heard this metric before. Netflix Mm -hmm. announced a brand new metric, Total View Hours. This means Mm. all accounts put together how many hours of this content have been streamed over Netflix. Right. Never heard it before. The most viewed series by this metric, number one, also Bridgerton. People love Mm. that fucking Bridgerton. They watched it front, back, side to side. Every way you can watch it, the Mm -hmm. people have watched it. Number two, though, a show that doesn't even appear on the other list, Money Heist. The second most watched in terms of hours watched of all time. Number three, Stranger Things. Number four, The Witcher. And number five, 13 Reasons Why. Now, part of the explanation there, Money Heist, 13 Reasons Why, they have a lot of episodes. Gotcha, yeah. there's more of it to watch. Lupin, not as many, only 10 episodes total, and they're not that long. Like, I find Money Heist to just to be such an on-the-nose title. Because it's not the real – the real title is La Casa del Papel. It's like, okay, yeah, you're, you're, if you're going to do a heist, you're either going to steal money or what, like a piece of art or jewels. It's like – I agree. It's just snoozing of a title. But, yeah, I guess it's a foreign show. But it's like, what, what, like what else is going to be a fucking cheese heist? I don't know. I would watch cheese heist, folks. You know what? Instead of a money heist, what if it happened in the air, say, on, I don't know, a money plane? I mean, that's... That would be the most ambitious crossover of all time. Why why not? And then on the film side, for in terms of these are are hours watched of these films, Mm. number one, Bird Box, number two, Extraction, they just switch places. Number three... Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Now, that wasn't on the other list, but it's very long, And a lot more hours to it. Right. Number four, The Kissing Booth 2, which I also know from personal experience is a very long, a surprisingly long film, like two hours and 15 minutes for a rom-com. Yikes. Seriously intense. And then number five, Michael Bay's Six Underground, also pretty long as film. So there you go. Uh, Sarando said from stage that he Netflix plans to be, in general, a little bit more forthcoming with both the talent, the people working with them, and the public at large, the marketplace, about all of these metrics. They're going to start getting a little bit more information about what's being watched on Netflix. Thank God that they've been hiding those numbers and they've, those numbers have been conspicuous by their absence. Netflix, what are you hiding back yeah. there? Disney's got the Disney vault with Walt's head and Song of the South and then the Netflix vault is all, all the data. They don't want to let us know. All those numbers, all those sweet, sweet numbers. Let us know what the people are watching. Uh, Sarandos also did talk briefly about a show that we will review in a little bit. I just want to give people a little teaser that this is coming up. Uh, on its way to being one of the most popular Netflix shows of all time, South Korea's Squid Game we're going we're gonna to discuss this, uh, this show later, but it's worth noting, it is on track right now 
to become the uh, most watched show maybe ever, certainly challenging Lupin's title for the most watched non-U.S. show. Have more people watched it than the uh, final episode of MASH? Uh, well, that it's it's a little bit of an apples to oranges comparison because we just we don't know eyeball. We don't have a good sense. We don't we don't have an we don't have an exact uh, comp comp to make there. Okay, let me let me put it differently then. Uh, how many we only people have cumulative have like Bridgerton season one? We don't have like this episode of TV versus this. It's very hard. Okay, to say. what about the series finale of Cheers? Again, I, I could compare Mash and Cheers. It's very hard to do with the streaming show. And also they could just be lying. I mean, I don't wanna I don't wanna put these Netflix numbers out like this is reality. Like they're measuring it however they want, folks. We don't we only know what they tell us. Oh, come clean, Netflix. Give us the numbers. Or I'll march in front of your building like that woman who held up a sign, bring back the OA. Wow. Did, was that is that real? Somebody marched there was in a, front of Netflix? There was a solitary woman. Was it Britt Marling, star of the OA? No, no, <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, was that the uh, Prairie from the OA? Yeah, well, whoever, like the lead, the lead, like the, yeah, the name. Her name was the Prairie. OA. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, Britt Marling, the, the um, one who taught them all the, all the dance moves. Yes, yes. <laughs> also, the co-creator, I believe, she wrote it as well. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, if if the OA became bigger, that that like could have been a dance on TikTok. All those moves, yeah. but well, too bad, too uh, bad. There it was didn't one work out. woman with a with a, a picket sign that she made herself, obviously, and she was standing <laughs> you know, there. Right, she had it fabricated by the House of Gucci. Yes, uh, starring uh, Lady Gaga. Adam uh, anyway, it was it was pretty funny to see her out there <laughs> picketing. To Best of luck to her. I think I think that I think I that think, I think train has sailed. I think yeah. that's over. Uh, Sopranos creator David Chase signed a mm-hmm. five year overall deal to create new shows and films content for Warner Media. So that's going to be both. If he's got an HBO show idea, if he's got an idea for a Warner Brothers movie, whatever he wants to do, he's David Chase. Uh, His new Sopranos prequel film, The Many Saints of Newark, which he produced and co-wrote, that is in theaters today and now streaming on HBO Max. By the time you're hearing this, it's on HBO Max. You can go watch it. Uh, Michael Gandolfini stars as a young version of Tony Soprano. The Gabagool is back. The part made famous by his uh, late father, James. Uh, So Chase, just a few weeks ago, I think we talked about it on this very podcast, Chase was very angry at HBO Max, at Warner Media. He did Mm. not like the way the the Sopranos movie was coming out on streaming. He thought it was undercutting it. He was like, look, it's already a hard sell to be like, this was a TV show and now it's a movie. You already kind of have to ask people to take a little bit of a leap and now if you're putting it on TV, you're basically telling them it's a TV show and not a movie. He's like, I don't, it doesn't make sense. But it's not TV. It's HBO. You guys can't see that Hal is doing the uh, Italian fingers. I don't know what you would call The like, molto bene. The, the chef's. My, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, it would be a chef's kiss if you touched your lips. But when you just shake it in the air, it's Italian fingers. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think if you do that, then then David Chase has to agree with you. That's the rule. That's also, that's their slogan. It's not TV, it's HBO. Ayo. Instead of having a critique of uh, Warner Media's release strategy, all he really had to do was go, oh! 
we're putting it on TV at the, at the stream at the same time. I don't want it in the stream. I want it in the theater. You sit in the seat. You eat the popcorn. You buy the ticket. You get the stream. You can stop it. Pause it. Ugh. This guy's telling me it's on stream and forget about it. Anyway. You go to the movie, your AMC, your Regal Cinemas, whatever. You buy a popcorn, you fuck. I, 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 will, <laughs> I will break your nose with the butt of a gun. It went right, yeah, it went right in the mean streets. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I guess they smoothed over or this was... This was his Cruella 2 style payoff. Uh, signed him to this five year deal to shut him go. up. There you go. Fit him for a um, pair of cement shoes, maybe. I don't know. Gabba good so. fellas. I don't. What? Gabba good fellas. <laughs> I, oh, I get it. <laughs> I just like saying gabba ghoul all the time. Yeah. I don't, not a real thing. I don't. There's, there's no meat called gabba ghoul. It's like it's a Jersey. If you trust. David Chase and James Gandolfini, it's like Sicilian Jersey slang. I, I think they made that up. I th- I don't think anybody says Gabagool. All right, I'm going to search Gabagool real quick here. No, it's only I, – I, like there's no – I used to do uh, – we're going to go on a detour, folks. Strap in. Tie your seatbelt. Uh, I – when I first uh, got out of college and I was living in L.A., one of my very first jobs was I used to do subtitles and closed captioning for then DVDs, which at this point was a very hot market. And mm. my account at the company that I worked for – I worked for a big post-production company. Mm-hmm. I was on the HBO Time Warner account, mm. which is what we called it back then. I did a lot of Warner Brothers movies, but almost exclusively I did everything that came out on DVD from HBO. So I ended up doing the complete Sex in the City and I did The mm. Wire, a lot of those classic from that era HBO shows. And I also did The Sopranos. Right. And in the scripts, we would get the scripts. That's how we would make the subtitles. And then I would go through and line them up and make sure they were correct. There would be the real names of, of lunch meats in those spots. Yes. Tony would be in the looking in the fridge and he would be like, where's the moustajoule? Which is the, that's a real meat, you know, like, or something like that. Right. And every once in a while, I would be watching the show and he would say something and it's definitely not the word that was in the script for the actual meat. Right. I think sometimes it was just an actor thing. I think James Gandolfini would sometimes put a little pepper on it, make it a thing Tony Soprano for a scene. Oh, yeah. I think the whether it was a real piece of slang or a real meat or he mm. was just saying it because he thought it sounded good, I don't think he was making that judgment well, call. Well, first moment. off, as an actor, yes, you got to make it your own. You got to, in the room, in the room, they'll tell you, make it your own. But I just looked it up, Gabagool, uh-huh. and uh, they said it's how Southern Italians pronounce Capicola. Right. I've seen stuff like that as well. So Here's what I'm saying. Is that exactly how Southern Italians would say it, or is that James Gandolfini's personal interpretation? I think it's the latter. That's my suspicion. Yeah, so you're saying maybe it's just a bunch of gibberish. I think he was on set and he was bebopping and scatting all over the place, as George Costanza would say, and he was coming oh, yeah. up with words, and if it sounded good, more power to him. Playing a little a, word jazz. It's a beautiful performance. I think one of the great TV performances of all time. I'm not going to question his methods. Absolutely. He's, yes. Uh, very much, I have not watched that movie yet. I'm very much looking forward to watching The Men. Did you catch this? What? The movie's narrated by Chris Moltisanti. It's about his father, Dickie Moltisanti, the mm-hmm. last name Moltisanti, Italian for many saints. The many Ooh, saints of Newark. That's a spicy meatball. Is that a fucking thing? I, think I like that's a it. Thing. I like it. I think yeah. That's a fucking thing. Anyway, Working with levels here. Just realized that. Now, I didn't just realize that live on the podcast. I realized it the other day. 
and I've been carrying it around with me, waiting for the perfect moment to drop it like a truth bomb on Thank something. Thank you for dropping that gem. Uh, Netflix announced a new Dave Chappelle special. It's called The Closer. Now, this will be his sixth stand-up special for the streamer. It wraps up his current deal. They're, they're making it feel – there was no formal part of this – but I feel like this is the it's the end of this era. He's sort of putting a, a period on this run of Netflix specials, three of which, by the way, have won Emmys uh, with the close. So this this looks to be the last of maybe this series, although who knows, maybe he'll just re up this Netflix deal and make a bunch more. That guy's unpredictable. Uh, mm-hmm. The same director who's made all the other Netflix specials, Stan Lathan, is, is back for this one. Uh, it arrives on October 5th. Oh, wow. It's the, right around the corner. Coming up next week. Damn, we'll, we'll, coming we'll in. We'll be able to talk about it potentially next week. Yeah, coming in hot. Uh, well, yeah, Dave Chappelle, I'm a Mark Twain Award winner, comedic. Yeah, there you go. That Some, is who it is. Also, he's a uh, yeah. He he can be uh, he he can be polarizing. That that's for sure. Yeah, I find I don't always I don't always agree. I used to always agree with his take. You know, like I, I he, he used to be a guy where I felt like no matter what he sort of came at me with. Mm-hmm. I would always be like, yeah, I, I agree with Dave's take on that. And I still yeah. agree with a lot of the things he says. But once in a while, he'll have a, a whole run of things. Like, I, I don't agree with him on trans rights and issues. I don't agree with him on cancel culture and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. I, I, diverge. I still very much like – I still think he's hilarious and I very much respect and admire his – I think he's gotten in some ways even better as a stage performer over yes. time. As much as I was a fan of his in the in the half baked Chappelle show era, right? But um, but yeah, it's interesting. There's not a lot of comedians where I feel this way about. It was a, a, like Norm Macdonald was another recent case where mm-hmm. I still very much dug his comedy and what he would do on stage. Even though sometimes I would read things he'd write on Twitter and be like. Dude, come on, really? Like, what the, like, what the fuck? That's that's, that's idiotic. Yeah, I, I feel like, uh, you, you, like you mentioned the trans jokes. I feel like that stuff is regressive and it's unfunny, and uh, and, and it's just like just like beneath many it. many bad takes. And he wants, but he wants to plant his flag in that shit. But over, other than that, I feel like he's a fucking master of the art form. And very often he goes into territory where I'm like, oh no, you're not going to get out of here unscathed. And then I'm like, God damn it, I didn't want to laugh at that, but I'm laughing at that. You sir are um, one of the greats of all time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, some problematic shit. Uh, I wish he'd uh, stop with the trans. So uh, October fifth, we'll uh, we'll see what what this latest one is uh, is all about. I bet there's jokes in there. I bet there's jokes. I bet it's funny. Last news story here: uh, the CW, our favorite network, and yours. What does the CW stand for? Uh, wow, what does the CW stand for? It was because it was the WB. And it was UPN, mm-hmm. and somehow them coming together formed the CW. I'm not exactly sure. Chocolate Wizard, Cock Wang. I'm not a hundred percent sure how the what the CW. Maybe not. Maybe nothing, folks. Maybe fucking nothing. Chips I'm gonna look it up because now I'm curious. Ch- chopped, worst. Okay, I got it. I figured it out. Oh, so please. it is. It's the combination. Of uh, UPN, which is owned by Viacom CBS. Okay, there's and no the C WB, and there's no W in UPN. Which is, owned, which is owned by Warner Brothers. Okay, there's a so W there. So CBS, because, well, Viacom CBS used to oh. be CBS. Oh, okay. So think about CBS plus Warner Brothers, or the WB, 
CW. That's how you get CW. Bang! We did it, folks. We figured it out. It would be even cooler, though, if it stood for Christopher Walken. Guys, welcome to my network. It's the CW. I put on shows that entertain me. We got Batwoman. She's in Gotham. She's fighting criminals. She's a lady. Yeah. I Tune that, in. That's pretty good. I think that yeah, was not bad. I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel better than I probably should about that. Nicely done. Uh, what, what's the CW up to? Anyway, the CW, they've got a reboot coming of Babylon 5. They're working on it with original creator J. Michael Straczynski. I think it's Straczynski. Mm-hmm. Uh, that show is set at a space station. Now, did you ever watch Babylon 5 back in the 90s? I, I did. Not a moment of it. Ne- not even, not a moment. I was not really ever into sci-fi at all. And then I started watching a little TV program called Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I didn't even watch Next Generation at first. I went Hmm. back and got into Next Generation after Deep Space Nine. I don't know. To this day, I could not tell you, young me, what attracted me of all shows to start down this path of being a sci-fi fan, why Deep Space Nine. I liked Quantum Leap as well, but I don't really think of that as like hard sci-fi. But anyway, after I got into that, very soon after, I also got into Babylon 5, which Ooh. was, so it's a space station. The setup is, it's like a, a very busy galaxy full of conflict. There's all sorts of different sort of nations and alliances, uh, aliens and humans and whatever out there. It's not clean and neat like Star Trek. It's, it's messy more like the present day, but in space. Okay. And Babylon 5 is this space station that's like, it's in the neutral territory and it's like the hub. The green zone. It's the green zone, exactly. So you can imagine all the kinds of stories that would happen at that place. You've got like a way station, all these people are going off to all these different territories and you follow the staff working at this space station. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna bring that back. <laughs> uh, and Straczynski has been working on Sense8 with the Wachowskis. That was like the last thing he was working on. Right. And now he's coming back, coming back home. Uh, and he'll be writing a new take on Babylon 5. So Babylon 5, it's not, it, it's its own IP. It's not connected to any other. It is a, an original show, yes, in its own universe. So this will be, yeah, the first return to that universe in, in quite some time. And gotcha. obviously that's what they're hoping. The idea is get people back into the Babylon 5-verse, and then you can extend it out. Films, games, whatever. They're always, everybody's hunting for that next IP and 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 you know why not why not this one? A lot of people were like because it does have, you know, it was it it, it was a more serious minded sort of show. So uh-huh. I think some people feel like the CW is an as a bit of an odd fit. I I, I think it's going to work perfectly. It's like I think it's it's right in there, like with the DC comics and the genre shows. Like yeah. I think it'll be right at home there. So is this one going to be called Babylon Six? Hey oh no, I, I bet it'll just be Babylon Five. You go with the brand. Go with the brand. Like Charmed. They brought back the new Charmed. They weren't like, more Charmed. They just were like, the new Charmed is called, the new Charmed is called Charmed. Once again, we are Charmed. I mean, they literally called the High School Musical series, High School Musical, the musical, the series. Like, there, there's no points for creativity. They didn't go, like, the Save by the Bell route and do, like, High School Musical, the sophomore class or something. No, they stopped even doing that. Peacock Saved by the Bell is just called Saved by the Bell. Gotcha. You sons of bitches. Yeah, well, like Jesus. Bayside. Sideways stories from Bayside High. Where the fuck was that shit? Right? Oh, man. I'm, 
sad Dustin Diamond did not get a chance to walk oh. those halls again. All Sorry right, to bring okay. the room down. Sorry to bring All the room okay. down. Is that the news? That's the news. That the screech is dead. That's the that's the end of the news. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Breaking news: Screech died a while back. Sorry, uh, it was it was. R.I.P. Dustin Diamond. Coming up, we're going to talk about the very popular Squid Game. Juan, Squid Game is yeah. sweeping the nation. It's all over the place. The memes. Hang on, how is this? How Screech died? Was he playing the Squid Game? Oh my God! I mean, that would be sinister. I didn't read about this. That should be like you know, get that Brian Laundry and Gabby Petito <laughs> off the front page and put uh, put, uh, put put Screech playing the Squid Game. That's what we should make Brian Laundry do when we find him. Squid Game. Yeah, put him in the Squid Game. <laughs> Except no money. No, if, if you win, we just shoot you anyway. That's called Running Man, where <laughs> yeah. you take the the, the prisoners. No, it were the Battle Royale, Battle Royale. That's yes, we ba- well, Battle Royale was students. Uh, running Man was yeah, prisoners. Running, I think Running Man is the right one. By the way, Running Man might be my favorite Schwarzenegger. Wow. I feel like people Bold. forget. Like, I definitely like it over Total Recall. I, like, I don't know. I'm, I digress. But I love the campiness and fun of running. You know, Man. it's forgotten when people are looking back over Stephen King adaptations, for mm-hmm. sure. Many a list of the best Stephen King adaptations that's missing the running. Yeah. Man. So don't sleep on Running Man. Oh, uh, and, and ca- the casting of Richard Dawson. I think that that's yes. their ace in the hole, is getting a real, not only a guy with real game show bona fides and chops, yes. but a real fucking actor, folks. Oh, yeah. A guy with both, a guy from both worlds. A real, an accomplished screen actor. Hogan's heroes. A, a Hogan's hero. <laughs> and, but he was in film, like Richard's eye, like a, a real film career and a game show presence that we all know and love from uh, making out with Housewives on Family Feud. But the, the cast of Running Man is great. Yafet Kodo. Oh, yeah. No, it's a, it's a good, it's Jesse a really Ventura, solid movie. Uh, Ray Don Chong, so good. Okay, anyway. Squid Game. Uh, yeah, it's really uh, sweeping uh, the, the the world, as it were, from Netflix. 70 countries. This show has been number one on Netflix in 70 Countries, folks. Damn. And in, in watching this, I really enjoyed it. I don't feel like it uh, it remade the wheel or anything, but I feel so. I want to talk about Alice in Borderlands in comparison to this uh, because I understand that's a Japanese show. This is a Korean show. Yes. Um, I'm not trying to like end the or put them. Oh, they have to be next to each other in comparison. No. I was going to say, how dare you? But yeah. okay, you're going. He's going somewhere with this. But I just. Alice in Borderland, which was also kind of this dystopian, weird, uh, like, game to see pe- watch people die with some kind of end game that uh, the and mysterious origins. There is one crucial difference, which yes. is that one has a sci-fi explanation where it's mm. like we don't know, we don't fully understand still what's happening, but – it's some sort of alien or machine or intelligence that yeah. is doing in some sort of supernatural or superhuman way has like cleared out all of our cities and is forcing people into mm-hmm. this game. Whereas I think what makes Squid Game feel more 
resonate more and feel relevant is that the explanation is not supernatural. It's these people are desperate because of perfectly understandable financial circumstances, that there's this there's this social commentary element. People are comparing it to Parasite. And I also think that's partially a like, well, they're Korean. Like it's a, right. that was the Korean movie. This is the Korean show. But I think that's the connection that's, that's, that's making people's minds. And they both have this like very satirical, like this is only possible because society is so fucked up and people are so desperate. Yes. Um, and I see that I see the parasite comparison and as much like aside from the, the Korean aspect, holding a mirror up to society with the haves and the have have nots and pitting them against each other. But in just what I, the one point I wanted to make with Alice in Borderland, I think you touched on something in like we get to see like what what the machinations of the thing are, what is making this contest go, whereas they keep it a mystery in Alice in Borderland. But also the main thing, the characters are so well and clearly drawn and endearing and sympathetic and well acted across the board in like you game, really connect in squid game uh i feel like you really connect to these characters uh like i was rooting for them and i was just enjoying the performances so much more than um kind of the conceit and the uh the stories of the characters in alice in borderland i liked both shows i do feel like yeah the squid game having it be about these people who are in very relatable like the the scenario of Squid Game is not relatable. Like going to this like island that's set up for these very elaborate versions of childhood games where there's this yeah this carnival of terror right army of people there to kill you if you don't win the game. No, yeah, uh, that's not realistic. But the the dire straits that everyone finds them in in their regular lives that drive them to participate in this game mm-hmm. are very you know by nature like you know very relatable it's it's health issues it's they're in debt for this reason it's mm-hmm. it's family stuff one is a was a, a pakistani immigrant um and i think that that's what people are really responding to is it's found a way through very heightened gory bloody genre storytelling to come up with this to play out this scenario that really resonates with people that it does feel like rooting for these people society pits us against one another and capitalism forces us into this competition with one another that's makes us all cutthroat and turns all of these decisions into life or death when it maybe doesn't have to be that way and that's not our inclination as people our inclination as people is to make friends and help each other out form communities and that's that's exactly what we see happen in squid game is the moment the game ends they're all just like hey you be on our team hey they, they, they like get to know each other and and a community forms except when they purposefully prevent it from happening and and i think that's the idea is like on the on the island it's these mysterious forces people with these you know shapes on their masks that are setting the rules and pitting everyone against each other. But then when they leave and they go back to Seoul, mm-hmm. it's they're still being pit against one another. It's just invisible forces, market forces, their bosses. The invisible, the hand, the invisible hand of the market. Right, the invisible hand of, of capitalism. Exactly. Yes. And it's, it's also really 
so much fun with how stylized it is. Like you mentioned, like the games and everything. The outfits are just like, you know, instantly iconic at this point. I saw someone posting like, you know. And you're right. And there's the the MC Escher sort of room they have to pass yes, through to MC get Escher, in. Yes, the MC Escher, like with all the bright Dago colors, the yeah. pink outfits with the masks, the even the green track suits. Like I saw like just people, like it's so distinct. It's very... Like one of the things I think that's making it popular, it's just like very meme friendly as well. Yes. It's just uh, so. Well, one more thing I would point out. I think mm-hmm. it's done a very good job of internalizing uh, reality shows and the format of reality shows. And like we all innately yeah. understand how those games and, and that style oh, yeah. works. And they bake it into, so even though this is scripted. The tribes on Survivor and getting right. voted off or getting eliminated, so to speak. Yeah. Right. So this is scripted, but it's still baked all that in. So like a, an early episode, they all have to line up and vote. Do I want to keep the game going or do I want to bail on the squid game and just go back to my regular life? And the way that the scene unfolds is exactly how it would unfold on a reality show, where we mm-hmm. check in and we go back and we go back and forth and it's very tight and we're it's a montage and the scoreboard and everybody voting and then it all comes down to one big moment and you even get like a little beat like, and we'll find out how he votes right after this. And and it's just, it's, it's they're, they're pulling us in by playing on the fact that we innately get how this works, even though... The Squid Game itself is not real. Yeah, it does press those buttons, and then also the reveal of what the prize will be—the the, the the cash prize. Like that's got this pomp and circumstance and sound effect to of course, it. So yes, yeah, like a casino. That's supposed to, I think, remind you of a casino. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but also just like lit and it's dramatic right. looking. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think it's a perfect show. It was very entertaining. I was. I'm like, you know, I'm on the fence about. The uh, the end and like the setup there. I'm not going to give it away, but like okay. you know, it is like you know, kind of leading into a, like a sequel, and then or the the next season directly. Yeah, it's a, it is clearly not a limited series, mm-hmm. and there are plans to return to the world of Squid Game, and uh, they'd be fools not to at this point because it's an international sensation, folks. Yeah, for sure. And then also there was one of our antagonists on this uh, like weird game island. Uh, had a relationship with, uh, I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil anything, but there was someone who kind of infiltrated the island. Yes. And the relationship between these two, I feel like was really underbaked, like not explored and not clear enough. Uh, and I feel it's like, oh, you sort of get it, but it's like, wait, what? What the fuck? Do you know what I'm talking about, Lon? I do. There's not really a way to talk about it without digging in too deep, I think. But Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that, but yeah. I don't I don't think it's a perfect show. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of moving parts or whatever, but I, I think it, it certainly does what it needs to do, and it's very effective, and it's a lot of fun. We're, we're, we're talking about it, I think, like it's like it's more severe than it is. It's also funny and entertaining. It's very funny. It's got a sense of humor. And the cast, they're just great. The performances and just the expressiveness, like the two, like, you know, two of the main characters um, who are like, you know, getting down to the end, just like even without dialogue, the expressiveness of like the, the, like the lead character, like whoever, the guy who ends up winning, 
you know, I'm, I feel like I'm going to give it doing, all away. Man? You know what? Don't I'm going to spoil it all. The, the, game? The, the woman or person. Oh, jeez. Just stop. Don't give away the end of the show. I want to unpack Squid Game. Don't unpack the end of Squid Game. No, but I, I just, I really love the cast. That's like the personalities of everyone on this journey and in this game. You're kind of living and dying and rooting for them. And uh, yeah, it presses all the right buttons. And uh, yeah, it's going to be the most watched show of all time. It has not yet taken the title, but we're, we're thinking it, it, it looks The metrics good. are looking that way. It's looking that way. If you want to be able to talk about it around the water cooler and get in on the conversation, you're going to have to watch Squid Game on Netflix. It's subbed and dubbed. So if you're not a subtitle person, there is a English dub you can watch. I'm watching it with subtitles. You can watch it in English with the dubbed version. I watched the dubbed version because I don't know how to read. Oh, my God. This is how it comes out. This is the first time. Folks, <laughs> we didn't know. I wasn't there that day. It was only one day in school where they teach you everything you need to know about learning to read. I thought that seemed a little fast. Also, I like to look at my phone while I'm watching <laughs> programs. Yeah, I think it's really the phone thing. I think it's the. I think it's funny that you're more embarrassed about looking at your phone during a TV show than you are uh, not knowing how to read. Yeah, you'd rather yeah. confess to adult illiteracy. I would, I would rather be illiterate <laughs> than, than than admit that you like to look at your phone. A thing literally everyone does. Yeah, uh, don't get me started. Uh, Squid Game, it's uh, worth checking out on Netflix. We watched a second Netflix joint, Midnight Mass from Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan, the guy behind uh, Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Bly Manor. You know, Lon? Dr. Sleep, Gerald's Game. Yes, yes. What's Gerald's Game? Which one's Gerald's Game? Gerald's Game, it's a Netflix film. It is an adaptation of a Stephen King book. Mm. Uh, The setup is... A husband and wife, they go to this secluded cabin for a little sexy weekend. They're playing a little sex game where the husband ties his wife up to the bed. I'm listening. He then has a heart attack and dies. And so she cannot get herself free. She's stuck. And then things proceed to get real, like... A like there are wild animals that are coming. There's a potential serial murderer in the area. And so all sorts of dangers. And of course, just the danger of literally dying from dehydration and starvation, because uh, what is she going to do? Oh, boy. And the horror of being there with her, the corpse of her husband. That's Gerald's Game on Netflix. Check it out. Next up, we are talking about... (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Uh, So I like that we, uh, as far as these uh, Mike Flanagan uh, limited series, you know, I I was getting a little tired of these big mansions with the the ghosts. And... I like, I'm not done with Midnight Mass yet, but I, I'm really digging it. I should ruin it for you as payback for people that you, for you, for whom you spoiled Squid Game. I didn't spoil Squid Game. I left it vague. I left I'm, it vague. I'm, it was fairly Oh, vague. it was close. It was touch and go there for a almost, second. It was almost. It was almost. You pulled me back from the precipice. Yeah. Uh, this one. I will ruin Midnight Mass for you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. It just feels a little bit more human. A wizard. Human. It. it was all a wizard. Oh, it was a wizard's no. Fault. How dare you? Caramel the wizard makes oh, a Caramel late appearance. Caramel the wizard makes a yes. late appearance. Oh my! And he has his own song. You remember Agatha all along at the end of Wandavision, where Catherine Hahn revealed Caramel the wizard performs an original song <laughs> explaining all the malfeasance on Crockett Island. It was all an illusion oh. by a, a feisty wizard. 
How dare he? The wizard character, Caramel, <laughs> who maybe he'll have to return to. Binge He's, been He's been I on our show. I think so. Yeah, we uh, knew he was going to be on Midnight Mass, and we were like, come on our show. Yeah, right? Hello, Caramel. <laughs> that, that's a soundbite from Caramel. So There you go. Now, this one spoke to me a, li- a little bit more. I just Your strict Catholic upbringing, I think that was it. Yes. Well, Catholics and Jews. The Rudnicks, good Irish Catholics. Catholics and Jews relate over the guilt. <laughs> you know, we relate over the guilt. But sure. I find like those, the two shows, Bly Manor and Hill House, just a tad too twee by a, just a titch, you know? Just a, a little bit. Twee by oh, a twitch. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, twee by twee by a titch. Uh-huh. Um, and this, I felt like it was a little bit more. You know, it's still fantastical and like batshit and everything. But I found the characters and their motivations a little bit more grounded. I I'm not sure. I agree. I mean, I think Hill House is probably still the best of all three of these, like mm-hmm. spooky but also deeply emotional and and thought provoking limited series that he's mm-hmm. done. I like them all. I like this one a lot. It did feel. I don't know. There's an element to this of of staginess and of talkiness that this almost in some ways feels like it it, it could have been like a play or a series of plays. Uh, it, it doesn't always necessarily feel like television. And, and it, it does sometimes, I feel like, struggle with like momentum. Like there's just, there's a lot of people giving a lot of speeches and they're good speeches. They're well-written speeches. They are well-delivered by these actors. And it's not even just believability. I think sometimes it does strain believability. Like you've got to not, and not just the fact that it's like, there's a horror subplot. Supernatural. Yeah. That stuff I don't have a problem with. It's more like you're investing in the reality of this town and these people and them as human beings and non-supernatural. And and sometimes I think they act in ways that it's very much like watching a play where it feels theatrical. It feels like there's no way this, like I'll, I'll give you, I was giving Hal an example before the show. I'll, I'll give an example right now. Mm. There's a scene late in it that I, I won't reveal what's happening or the context, but the town doctor who's played by Annabeth, Gish, Annabeth Gish, I think is her name. And then Rahul Kohli, who's playing the town sheriff. The town doctor goes to see the town sheriff and she's saying, hey, there's this thing I'm really concerned about. I want you to look into it. And the sheriff, instead of just saying, okay, which is sort of what you'd expect the sheriff to say, or no, I'm not going to, I've got all these other things to look into, another reasonable thing a sheriff might say. He goes into this whole monologue about why he moved to the town and his experiences in law enforcement and in the military as a Muslim American. And it's, it's very well written. It's interesting. It's, he, he does a good performance of this material. If you went to an audition as a Muslim actor and delivered this monologue, I believe you could get the part. It's, it's good. Mm -hmm. But I don't buy this sheriff giving this speech to the town doctor in this moment. It just feels right. It just feels like, well, yeah, maybe that would happen in a play, but that wouldn't happen in, in reality where this show is supposedly set. So I do feel like on the margin, sometimes that's an issue where there's just a general like talkiness when you're kind of feeling like, okay, shouldn't we be getting back to the to the monster stuff for the horror stuff? And um, I didn't feel that way in Hill House. Hill House felt like this very good balance between this like love story and the story about this family and the ghost stuff. And and I don't know. I don't the balance to this one doesn't feel quite exactly as on. But I still thought it was 
you know, very good. Like, I really enjoyed it. I hear you on that. And yeah, you. I mean, there's no way around it. There are some chunky uh, exposition dump moments of dialogue. I've, I, uh, I, I can't argue with you on that. But the one, but I feel like the people, they feel flawed in very relatable human ways. It's like, how do you, how do you just commit an atrocity or have like a, a huge mistake in your life and come back, pick up the pieces, and they're like you find very that relatable. Big. Have you have you committed an atrocity now? Well, no, but I I definitely you know carry regrets around with me and beat myself up about shit. Regrets about an, an, an atrocity? I mean, no. anything you would say is an outright atrocity? No, no. How many? Uh, your war crime lifetime total is it between one and five? You don't know what I did last summer. I don't. I have no idea. That's that's the new that's the new reimagining. I have no idea what you did last summer. Now it's a stoner comedy. Being damaged, be, being like a person right. that's yes. carrying. Of course, I understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I, I really like the way it handled uh, and explores that with characters. I like the way it explores religion in sort of a tangible way. Before it, you know, it also takes it on a fantastical journey. I haven't finished yeah. the show yet, but uh, and then also what you were saying. There's some really sharp dialogue. Uh, um, in this small cloistered town that's like this this little island town between this Muslim man and these uh, Catholic uh, parishioners um, on in this town about faith and about uh, separation of church and state, separation of faith and from our schools, etc. There's some really interesting dialogue moments uh, that explore these things. So I just found that that I just dig. I was digging into that. These characters spoke to me a little bit more than the uh, the, the the ghosts and spookiness and the storylines in the other shows. So listen, folks. I don't think it has to be a fucking competition. I think you could like what you like, and they're all. They're all good shows. It doesn't have to be a competition, Lon. What's it all for, then? Yeah, they're gonna, I get, listen, I think it does have to be a competition. Um, but uh, if you're into Mike Flanagan, this absolutely scratches the itch. I, I really like it. One other thing I liked about this, and mm-hmm. I feel like we're, we're in an era where um, Don't Look Now trailer, that Netflix movie that, uh, that Adam McKay did where it's like yes. there's an asteroid that's going to hit the Earth and it's supposed to be like a climate change satire. It's super fucking on the nose. It's just like obviously this is what – we, we've kind of lost our ability to do like deft, lighter-than-air satire. You never see it anymore. And I think Midnight Mass in a way, it does a very good job of – one of the themes being explored is what happens when the institution you uh, respect the most, what happens when the institution such as the Catholic Church right. uh, or potentially the U.S. government, the law enforcement that's also in there, mm-hmm. uh, what happens when that itself becomes corrupted? And I think that that's at the art. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that on some level Midnight Mass is about the local Catholic Church. Maybe there's an element in it that is not totally trustworthy or that is bringing some of the horror, is interacting with some of the horror that's going on on the island. And I think that that is something that's very relevant for Americans that feels like a topic that we want to explore, even if it's not specifically about politics or anything in particular. I think you make a great point. You can't watch this without finding some allegory or just some, like, just very fairly blunt 
statements about the subject matter uh, that they're exploring here. I also really like uh, Henry Thomas is great. Elliot, Elliot from ET has grown up. He's become a Flanagan regular. Yeah, he's one of Flanagan's players. <laughs> He's so good in all of these shows. I keep wondering. He's so different in this role yeah. as well. He disappears into this. I keep wondering why he doesn't pop up in non-Mike Flanagan things. Where he is, he is in. Uh, there's a Disney Plus series coming up called Just Beyond. It's also horror. It's based on uh, a more R.L. Stein, the the Goosebumps. Fear Street guy. Uh-huh. So it's based on different books by him, but Henry Thomas is in that one as well. So I guess he's carving out a little career in. in oh, is that the one with Kristen Ritter? No, no. Oh, that was that's the witch night one. Books. That's night, night books. books. Gotcha. This gotcha. this is just beyond, and it's coming in a few weeks on Disney Plus. It's like an anthology, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. like a Tales from the Crypt, but for teens, basically. Gotcha. Midnight Mass, the new one from Mike Flanagan. Yeah, just in time for spooky season. Uh, it's spooky. It's like thoughtful spooky. It's like it's 824. Spooky. Yeah. It's 824 spooky. Yeah. It's not like Halloween 6 spooky. Yeah, you're not getting into some slasher shit. But uh, yeah, but you got something, you know, it, it scratches some Halloween itch there. I don't want to promise people it's like trick or treat, like throw this on at your Halloween party. But it is in the horror mode. Would you say Squid Game fits into spooky no. season at all? No, I would not. But like no, masks and killing? I mean, listen, it's it's violent. How many people are going to dress up as Squid Game for Halloween? Oh, my God. There's going to be so many Squid there Game costumes. Squid game. <laughs> oh Holy shit, dude. <laughs> That's It's going to be top of mind when everybody's coming up with their Halloween costumes. Midnight Mass uh, is on Netflix now. Uh, and speaking of spooky season, this is a spooky show on because this is another spooky thing we watch on VOD, the film Censor. Yeah, it's available for rent on like Amazon, all those platforms for like four or five bucks. Uh, mm-hmm. I had not, I, I saw someone, I don't even know, they, they've not taken credit. I know I saw like a tweet go by where somebody like shared some screenshots, was like, I just watched this British horror movie Censor. That was like all I'd ever heard about it. Um, it's, I thought it was really good. So I wanted to share it with you. Yeah, Lon recommended it to me, and uh, you recommended it at the end of the show last week. Correct? I did. That's right. I, uh, I I told everybody to watch uh, it. This is the moment you've been waiting for. Those who watched it in advance to uh, participate in this conversation with us. I hope you just watched it because you wanted to see it and it sounded good, not because you're really anticipating this moment. Yeah, because prepare to be underwhelmed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, like, I don't have that much to add. I really liked it, Lon, and yeah. n- and not just be. Because it was a brisk 84 minutes. That Gotta was freaking refreshing. Gotta that love is that so tight, refreshing. lean running time. Oh, yeah. But it created its own world and atmosphere and mood. And it's apparent to me that the budget on this was like a micro budget. It was pretty small. but It's a limited, right. But it used that to its advantage. It created kind of this little claustrophobic world that was very stylized, that you felt like you were in another era. And it really worked. It made the most out of its yeah. limitations. And by that point, you do, you're not even thinking about any limitations. It's one of the, like, we're getting so much 80s nostalgia, so many 80s period pieces. That aesthetic is just everywhere. And when I first was watching this, I was like, oh, another one of these? God damn it. But this is 
realistic the 80s, not Stranger Things the 80s. This isn't mm-hmm. like leg warmers and neon, like a Duran Duran album cover the 80s. This right. is really set in like a grimy early 80s. And the Video Nasty era, like, like I give you a little bit of background. It's set in the UK. Yes. And Video Nasties in, in England was, if they deemed a videotape, movie that was being released like independently. Like we're not talking about studio movies. We're talking about like truly at that era, independent films, which is mm-hmm. not like Fox Searchlight. Like people are just self-releasing these movies through their own companies that are being made by like a couple of people who got their hands on movie making equipment. Yes. Think like just schlock horror. Very low like budget B grade grindhouse exploitation movies, that level mm-hmm. of horror movies. So we call them grindhouse and exploitation movies in this country. In the UK, they called them video nasties. And Which they had, I love that phrase. <laughs> video nasties. Yeah, it's very British. And they had this real government department that would determine which ones were banned. Like, which ones... And there really was, just like depicted in the movie, there were some mm-hmm. video stores you could go to that would have sort of under the counter, they would have this black market of these, like, banned movies. And there are... A lot of these movies have survived to the present day or movies that we've seen in this country that were considered video nasties in the UK or whatever. And it's set in that world, but it does such a realistic job of recreating it from the inside that you are, you're just pulled into the the reality of it. And it stops even feeling like a period movie. But the look and like the texture of this movie, it felt to me like the scenes that played out in 80s music videos. Right. Which like, they're not, it's not trying to be like, yeah, like you said, Duran Duran and Neon Colors aside, it felt authentic and weird and you were in another time. Yeah. And also, it's so stylized with, like, the movies and the gore which come in and um, permeate the film from, like, the people who are watching the video nasties. It starts to become part of the actual plot of the film and it spills over. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's not doing any, it's not reinventing the wheel. Like we, we've seen a few other of these kinds of like descent into madness, horror movies. Right. Like it, it's very reminiscent. There's a really cool movie also from the UK called Barbarian Sound Studio. Uh, there was a guy named Peter Strickland did it. Toby Jones stars in that one. Okay. And that's a similar plot, but it's about a sound engineer. So he's watching, that's set in the seventies in Italy mm-hmm. and he's doing the Foley and, and creating the soundscape for this Italian horror film. And the, the bit is we never even see the film. He's watching the film. We're watching him working on it and we're just hearing it. Uh-huh. So you're hearing screams and monstrous, horrifying, flesh ripping, like really gross, awful stuff. But you never see your it's all to your imagination. And that's kind of the, the bit of the movie. And it slowly drives him crazy. And and there, you know, like even Saint Maud is the other one I was thinking of. Where oh, it's yeah. like another movie about a woman who's like we start to see the world from her perspective and she's coming mm-hmm. unglued more and oh, more. I and this kind of follows a similar kind yeah. of narrative path, but with the visuals and aesthetics of these 80s low budget horror movies and it it really all comes together the actress is great it's she's got a very irish name that i won't butcher but uh she was also in raised by wolves she's very good too and then the, mm-hmm. it's a it's a really good convincing descent into madness absolutely convincing descent into madness very and i found the ending just to be wild and very satisfying yeah. oh man it's so good the last sequence is fantastic and it's the kind of ending where it's like oh like you're ju- you're just kind of like just 
like sitting in it for a minute. Wow, like ve- like really, really, cool. really like really you know, good. Chef's Kiss ending, and um, and it's also just the the plot. Like Lon was saying, the uh, the video nasties in England in the 1980s, very reminiscent to me of the uh, the heavy metal scare here in America. I don't know if it happened around the world, but where. Uh, uh, some crimes occurred, and people were like, "Oh, you got to blame Judas Priest and Black Sabbath." Well, yeah, and the satanic panic is what satanic panic. Yes, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and it, right, it was the same. It was the exact same era. This was the UK's version of that, or part of it. And I mean, mm-hmm. look, we've heard this refrain. It's not limited to them. We've heard this in in this country too. That the Violent movies cause people to lose their mind and become violent. And Video right. games, yeah. Uh, absolutely uh, worth checking out. Censor, uh, again, it's spooky season. If you're seeking out some good spookies, check out these movie about the video nasties. Censor, V-O-D, a brisk 84 minutes and worth Every minute of it. You know, Lon, I think we've talked about all we've come to talk about yeah, here. Yeah, that's the show. Yeah. That's it. Uh, hoot Hoot Owl Nation. There's a little owl that lives in all of our hearts and butts. There's two owls, and the one that you feed is the one that grows. Thank you, Lon. Starburns Audio, thank you. Travis Reeves, thank you for producing our show, good sir. Jason Kay, thanks for the rock and roll to open the show. Can Lon I just Harris. also say, Travis Reeves, thank you for occasionally liking my tweets. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Very, very supportive presence on Twitter. I, I've noticed. For sure. Yes. Same here. Same here. Travis, uh, appreciate uh, the Twitter love as well. Lon Harris, want to tell folks something about Yeah, me? if you want to be like Travis and occasionally like my tweets, do that. By going to twitter.com slash L-O-N-S. That's where to follow me on Twitter. Uh, you should also listen to my other podcast. It is called Garmin Shosia. I'm going to spell it for you again because that one guy was like, I don't know how to spell that. And I, uh, he is correct. G-A-R-M-O-N-S-H-O-W-Z-I-A. It is a David Lynch reference. Check that out. That's it for me. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hal Rudnick. And if you Twitch or you're inclined to, go to Twitch. If you use Twitch, not if you Twitch. Yes, I'm, I don't, I'm not talking about some kind of condition or tick that you have. Some people have a Twitch and we don't want to judge them. Dude, I get Twitches now and again. Do you ever get an eye Twitch sometimes? I do right. sometimes. Yeah, I get I an eye yeah, Twitch sometimes. It. I also, my shoulder every once in a while, I'll get a little weird Twitch there. Oh, maybe you need a, a massage or some acupuncture or you something. You know, I'm, I don't want to go off on a whole tangent here, folks. I've never had a massage. What? I've never once had a massage. I mean, I've, I've had a friend, like, massage my shoulder playfully or whatever, but I've never, like, paid money to go to an establishment to have a person give me a rub down. I, it, it feels weird. Uh, you know what? You should treat yourself, Lon. It's not just that – it's not that I would not want to treat myself. It's that I would feel – like, I even feel like haircuts, I feel a little weird. Like, you know what? I, I feel like – I feel bad for this person that they have to, like – This is a bigger conversation. I think we're going to have to unpack this off air. It is. We'll talk about this next week maybe. But, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I've never I've, – so, I, anyway, I've never had hey, a massage. you're worth it, pal. Maybe. I don't think so. But if you're on Twitch – 
and uh, you you uh, want some uh, some um, fun, dumb, good times, uh, some video nasties, join <laughs> me. Uh, follow me at twitch.tv slash Hal Rudnick, where we're doing comedy shows all the time. Lon just had a great turn on a Tournament of Nerds. Very funny. I did okay. I could have done better. I, you know, I beat myself up after a little bit, but... I didn't win the tournament of nerds. You, you didn't, but I it, it, listen, that was a tough one. And everyone, the costumes, everybody came to play. Everybody, listen, I don't want it. Everybody was fantastic. I, I felt I felt good about making it past the first round. But, I, you know, I, I want to win. I'm, I'm here to win. Well, uh, we'd love to give you another shot at that. It was great having you. And uh, also, I've been doing movie watch-alongs as well. Those have been just dumb fun. So uh, please, twitch.tv slash Hal Rudnick. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. Space Wars, Space Wars.